Now, usually I spend my time on the Bite Side podcast chatting to creatives or engineers about things they've been hard at work building for the future. So on the surface, maybe it's a little strange to say we're here and I'm excited to talk to two people from the Wizards of the Coast marketing team. But for me, Greg Tito and Shelley Mazanoble come to the show with that same sense of creative energy as the co-hosts of the Dragon Talk, Dragon Talk the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. They do a lot more than just talk about the latest news and new release updates about the game. They spent seven or so years and 350 episodes becoming part of the heartbeat of D&D, interviewing the team behind the scenes and introducing us to guests from across the worldwide community that really deepens our shared love of the game and everybody around it. The podcast has been so wonderful They are just about to release a book about the Dragon Talk podcast and the lessons they've learned about the game, about life, the universe, and everything else. Greg, Shelley, thank you so much for joining us on Biteside. Thanks for having us. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Look, I... Well, I'll get into how long I've been listening in a little bit, but I've been listening back to kind of some of the old episodes and I noticed that going right back to kind of D&D Next was where the podcast did kick off before the release of 5th edition. But early on, there was that rotating cast of Dragon Talkers. Uh, <laughs> and <know>. then <laughs> how did kind of you arrive at the show and and how did you push all those other people aside to make it your own? <laughs> <laughs> we had to do so much research for this book to, to, to determine just that. It was almost like we, were, we had a D&D adventurers party going in and trying to unearth the history of the Dragon Talk podcast. Yes, it was like a deep dive into Candlekeep to figure out where did this thing start? It was kind of funny because nobody remembers why I was involved, or, and, you- including <laughs> myself. How like I maybe was just squatting in a conference room and they were like, hey, we need this room to record a podcast. And I just was like, cool, I'll just watch you. Um Nobody really remembers. It's very, very foggy. But yes, you're right. There was a rotating cast and it was kind of the Dragon Talk wasn't really anyone's job. It was kind of something that like a lot of people wanted to do. But they because it wasn't a job for anyone and it wasn't anyone's official responsibility. A lot of times people were just like, oh, I have to work today. I can't do it. Or I'm on vacation or whatever. So it. I guess I was never, I never had too much work or was on vacation because I seem to be there. I seem to be there quite a bit, but Greg started at Wizards and his desk was right next to mine. And I, Greg and I were, you know, becoming friends. I liked him. I thought like, he's the communications manager. He would probably be really good on this podcast. Hey, you want to sit in on, on a podcast? It didn't even have a name at that point. And Greg was like, yes, yes, I do. Sure. And so he came in to also be like the fourth host, but sometimes only the second host, depending on how many people actually showed up for an interview. And then I think, so Bart Carroll was really like integral to getting this thing off the ground, but then he got moved to magic. So he, they were like, well, you right. can't, you can't do that D and D thing anymore. <laughs> now you work on magic. And then I think Trevor Kidd just kind of opted out of doing it or or maybe he took on different responsibilities and then it was just greg and i left in the room and i do very distinctly remember ryan saying like i guess you guys are the hosts (laughs) (laughs) the last people standing 
<laughs> you've gotten rid of everybody else. So I had come from a content creation job previously before I started at Wizard. So I was in that mode of like, oh, yeah, you know, let's have regular schedules. Let's get bigger guests so that we can draw more of an audience. Let's uh, name this thing. Let's call it something and, and uh, get away from the haphazard schedule of posting and try to do it like every yeah. week or at the same general time so that fans can start to develop a routine when listening to us and all those things contributed to uh you know me and Shelly just kind of running with this baton and making dragon talk what it is and and that was like 2015 2016 and then we just kept iterating and changing and growing and building more uh community members coming on and highlighting what they were doing and that's uh that's yeah that's that's where it all began and so, look, we're heading towards the 50th anniversary of the game, and we know that 5th edition has been the most successful version of the game ever. So would you say that's all thanks to the amazing work of Dragon Talk or only about 85%? <laughs> I, I'd say- 100%. 80, 85 yeah. is probably good. Uh, let's not, let's not, we're, we're a B minus. Uh, yeah, you've got a, li a little room for all the other people who oh, might I work guess, on this. Yeah, we should probably leave a little room for the actual game designers. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, who you highlight on the on the show? We we yeah. we normalized them. We made them feel like they were a part of the the community, right? And I think, I mean, right. you're saying that facetiously, yeah. but I don't, I don't think uh, we particularly had anything to do with it. But I think yeah. the culture around Dungeons and Dragons started to shift around that same time, and we were just there to kind of bump it up and 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 make that more uh, apparent to more people. Um, so I, you know, I don't think we can take all the credit, but I certainly think that that changing perspective of what a D and D player was um, was embodied in me and Shelley because we were not the stereotypical D and D players, and we try to highlight that as much as possible. That we were, you know, we had we were our parents, we had full lives, we had other interests beyond uh, gaming that we brought into uh, uh, the the D and D table and tried to highlight those folks in. A, a more professional context who were storytellers, who were authors, who were also game designers, like and try to make it seem like, yeah, no, this it is cool to be a part of this community. And I think that fundamental shift is part of what happened and, and made us be a, uh, a spoke in the wheel of like streaming and other live play podcasts that kind of all kind of came at that same time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what is it about? I like I feel like you know it makes sense but I'd love your thoughts on you know what is it about the podcast format that does actually work so well to build a connection with a community in this way well by their very nature podcasts are just conversational it's just meant to be just people just talking and it's and we try to make people feel comfortable even if they're, they're not experienced with being interviewed we want it to feel less like hard-hitting journalism <laughs> like yeah. we're not like asking you tough questions we're just we just want to talk we are all just fans of this game we kind of have D&D &D as the thing that connects us together and if you have that bond you can talk to anyone like you can talk to a D&D &D fan anywhere in the world and that is it just levels the playing field for all of us so we just really try to focus on the things that like, we're excited about with the work that they're doing and just, you know, give them that space and that platform to elevate that, that work and, and shine that spotlight on them. But I think most of it really just comes from being a D and D fan and just being genuine in that way that most of, I will say 99.9% .9 of our dragon talk guests really love to talk about D and D. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the format of a talk show is not new, right? That's been around for 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 decades, uh, TV and radio. And I think what podcast did was that allowed, you know, similar to YouTube and and to a lesser extent uh, streaming on Twitch, it kind of allowed people with less resources than big radio stations and big TV production studios to uh, produce content that people could get anywhere. Right. And so I think that the the podcast medium itself allowed, um, you know, uh, it'd be part of our third jobs, right. To do this type of thing. I think if we, and we tried uh, with, with Twitch, we did it. We're really successful in creating much more of a larger breadth of, of more video focused content uh, that included dragon talk that included a lot of other things, but you know, we, we even found just in the, the small steps that we made there that that's very difficult. That's like, it's like uh, going up to scale, right? Like you're like, oh gosh, not only do we have to just have, you know, three people on a mic and an audio engineer who can, who can get that going. It, it, it involves so much more uh, coordination and, you know, makeup. We had to wear makeup. Uh, and so uh, I think we podcasts, did. I, I mean, <laughs> well, you wouldn't notice, Jelly, but yeah, Greg would. Nobody yeah, right. powdered I had clown knows. makeup mostly just to look like a, a, a fool. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about the podcast while you were talking. Yeah, <laughs> putting it on uh, in yeah. front of the the, the camera uh, uh, while singing um, show tunes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, look. You know, obviously, you've been yeah putting this book together for a little while. I mean, what was that journey like to actually revisit old episodes and think about the show? I guess in a new way. Yes, I. You're right. Say revisiting it in a new way. Um, for me, it was, I have to admit, it was sometimes the first time I listened to those episodes because <laughs> I have a hard time listening to myself and I just get very anxious about what did I say? What I what if I said something terrible and I'm just going to be mad at myself all over again? But, um, you know, the other part of that, it was actually quite enjoyable. And I we we picked the essays in the book. There's about 29 of them, I think, in the book. Uh, we picked them for a reason because these were ones that really stood out to Greg and I personally. There was ones that we had a personal connection to or we learned something important about ourselves or about the game. But it really, it just, listening to all of these episodes again, there was that one common thread and it was just how important this game is. And when when it's also your day job to market this very important game it's like you are just constantly reinvigorated with mm. the work that you do with the community that you support and that you get to be a part of so for me it was just like this constant infusion of energy and passion and enthusiasm again and i just i i got personally excited just you know, not just for the work we do with D, but for the work we do with dragon talk and actually helping these, you know, the, the community members that we got to talk to, helping them kind of elevate their place or or actually get the recognition that they deserve. I mean, we talked to Christina Ariel years ago when she was just brand new, a brand new streamer. And now look at her like she's, you know, she's done so many tremendous things in this in in the in this industry that she would have done without I'm not saying she only did it because of dragon talk she absolutely would have done it with or without us but it's just so much fun to see people grow in their community yeah. and like in the work that they're doing and I just I like that Greg and I get to be a small part of that journey yeah, yeah that's totally. fantastic and I loved going back and listening to them because 
I had this weird, strange out of body, uh, out of body experience. And, and I think Shelly did too, where there would be a conversation happening and we'd be listening to it. And I, in my head would make the same, would make a joke, be like, Oh, this is so funny. I would have said this. And then like a half second later, I would hear myself make the same joke that I had. So I hadn't grown up at all. I was still was making, you know, poop and fart jokes in my head, uh, in a very similar way. And I just, I, I got such a kick out of that, that we would just laugh. Uh, and and be somewhat the same people, even you know years removed, and yeah. you know not even situation <laughs> removed. I still was that same dork. <laughs> yeah, so my pocket cast archive, um, yeah, helped me to. I was like, when did I come in? And I'm like, oh, I actually know exactly when I came in. It was around episode 92. Was one of the first ones I listened to. And wow. Then- I think like over the years, it's kind of clearly it's morphed and evolved in little ways, but you know, you've, again, you've kind of swept back through it. You know, how do you feel it's changed or how do you feel it has stayed the same? I think the general uh, feeling has always stayed the same, which was just me and Shelly wanting to chat with someone interesting and get to hear their story. Um, But it has leveled up as far as, you know, actually when we started, we weren't doing call-ins. We were only being able to record with people uh, it, physically in the same location in, in Renton, Washington, which was difficult to sometimes do. And it was, you know, that, that, that was very early on. If like, if we're going to get guests that are outside of our sphere and want to bring audience members in, we're going to have to develop the way to do that. I remember it actually being quite difficult for our sound engineer to be like, all right, well, we got to get the sound in your ears, but it's also on the thing. And like, you know, we, we leveled up in that way. Um, and then, I think one thing that certainly changed along the way, uh, and it's something I highlight in the book with the, uh, you know, history of the community that, uh, that starts off in the book, uh, as well as the essay with Tanya DePass, which was, uh, she, she was just very enlightening to me as a uh, black woman and her being very open about her struggles with the game. Uh, it was not always a pleasant experience when she had played D and D and she was very upfront about that. And it wasn't, she wasn't uh, bringing that up in any kind of damning way. It was just like, here are my experiences. And those, uh, that connection just really spoke to me. And I was like, oh, well, I, I can't do, I can't change the world. I can't change, uh, uh, you know, inherent racism that's, that's, that's everywhere out there. But I can at least try to lift up people uh, from different backgrounds, people with different colored skin, from 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 different sexual orientations, and and make them feel as welcome as possible, and see themselves um, in in the game. It's something that the the designers and the art directors for D and D Fifth Edition in in twenty fourteen made a conscious effort to do by showcasing in the artwork and in the text that everybody can play this game and everybody feels welcome, re- regardless of how they identify. And so we kind of just melded those kind of two ideas, one that came from uh, the D&D team and one that was inspired by, by, by Tanya's honesty. And I was just like, I, I, I want to do that. I want to highlight as many uh, black creators who are, who are making stuff in this space. I want to highlight uh, people who uh, may not have seen themselves as D&D players now. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the one big thing that I think has, has shifted for me over, over this, this whole lifespan. Obviously, there's been lots of recurring segments. You know, I'd I'd love to hear a few name checks of some of your favorites uh, over the years. Some have faded away. Some have, you know, <laughs> are still around. But uh, it's always fun to to kind of listen in and be like, what are we going to get this week? <laughs> oh, uh, I I mean, very self-serving, but I really like the how to DM segment because I have actually learned so much 
so much. And it has motivated me to actually be a, a DM now. So um, uh, talking to Dungeon Masters is one of my favorite things. There's so much creativity. There's so much passion there. I just have the utmost respect for Dungeon Masters in the amount of work they do to give everyone a good time. So I think that is one of my favorite yeah. segments. I also am really enjoying the Meet Your Monster segment, especially uh, Mackenzie and Dan are just so much fun to, to talk to. Mackenzie gets so excited about these gross little monsters. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> she just makes them all seem like, oh, they're just cute little babies. <laughs> uh, and I think that Dan Dillon does amazing voice impressions for monsters. So um, I have to give him a shout out for that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the the whole idea for segments came with the idea of like if we were going to be shifting more towards towards interviews and focus on on creators and, and streamers it was like, well, let's give something for for those more enfranchised D&D fans uh, to to to, you know, it, it, basically the idea was that we would have something in each episode that would appeal to the largest number of D&D fans out there. And so I certainly loved Laura, you should know that was one of the first ones I just get a kick out of speaking to both uh, Chris Perkins and Matt Cernet uh, about the deep dive into the Forgotten Realms. When when I started, I was much more of a Greyhawk uh, fan of uh, uh, as far as D&D settings go. And so I, I didn't know very much about Forgotten Realms. And so I wanted to use that to be like, all right, well, I'm the everyman. You tell me what's cool and exciting about this lore. And I, I, I think that really just that excitement and, and inquisitiveness that I had kind of came through. Um, but I think my favorite segment now is uh, our Drunky Two Shoes segment at the end of uh, each episode. Yeah. Good point. Uh, we we were struggling trying to find a way to end each episode. We we, we morphed uh, our our kind of call out, you know sign off language a bunch of times, and uh, it was inspired by Shelley's uh, perhaps reluctance to DM. And I was like, no, it's really just that easy. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. We'll do five minutes. And I'll show you just how much fun you can have with two people with very little prep time and <laughs> uh, improv together. And I think, in, you know, the combination of both the how to DM segments that you've been doing, Shelly, as well as just week in and week out, just seeing me flounder and make up stuff on the fly. But, but you also don't having flounder. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, thing. I am floundering in my head. And then it comes out as, as you know, uh, hopefully something that makes a through line and has makes sense to people. And I think that's been, uh, that's been just really fun. It's part of the episode that I look forward to the most now. And yeah. I will say it's, it is true that you do make it look, uh, attainable and, and easy. Cause I, and I know that you don't prep for those because <laughs> almost every episode we're like, wait, what happened last week? Where, <laughs> like, where are we again? Like he doesn't know anything more than I do in the <laughs> But you do it. And I think that's amazing. I love it. And I was actually going to ask a bit about the how to DM thing. So I'll sort of jump into that because it feels like, again, it's kind of one of those journeys of the show, you know, that it, earlier on, it was definitely that sense where you were like, oh, that's just not a thing I do. Uh, and so <laughs> have you had kind of feedback from, from listeners about how it's actually, you know, listening to you kind of contemplate it and then, you know, start to do a few sessions and sharing those stories about those first experiences, uh, you know, DMing for some kids and things like, yeah. uh, have people kind of felt like they've been encouraged as well? I think, yes, I have actually heard from people that said you are inspiring me to do this maybe because you're so scared 
And yet you did it. And I'm not quite that scared. So I think I should probably do it. I have also heard from people that are really excited about the the segments we do that are about kids, which is very exciting to me because there are a lot of adults out there that that want to introduce kids to this game. And I can't think of anything better to do for a kid than, I mean, obviously clothe them, feed them, give them love and support, but also yeah. please give them Dungeons and Dragons. They need yeah. that as well. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like, yeah, food, yeah. Maslow's shelter, Noble's D&D hierarchy. is yeah. the biggest part of that pyramid. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's foundational. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yeah, I'd love to uh, touch on uh, some of the event things that you've done, obviously, because that's then, you know, it's appeared throughout the, the Dragon Talk, the, the lead up to those events and things. Like I got to go to the Avernus event in uh, in L.A. Uh, oh, I awesome. wrote an article for one of the newspapers over here about it. So, you know, that it was an amazing experience. But it's Greg's I, baby. I think- yeah, I think Greg, you kind of your theater background, like how yeah, you know, how great was it for you to kind of get to pull that off as part of this whole world of of D and D? It was super uh, gratifying. I loved being able to meld that kind of showman feel of of everything I learned through um, entertainment and bring it to bear for for all the events. Like it, it was a growth there too, as well, going from like. D&D Live at Meltdown, which was in 2016 and the, and the back of Meltdown Comics in L.A. R.I.P. doesn't exist anymore. Um, but and then, you know, going to the, to the stream of Annihilation in Seattle, bringing people together for the first time. I think I even mentioned in the book that that's when like Matt Mercer met uh, uh, the guys from Acquisitions Incorporated and, and for the first time. And everyone was just kind of like, you know, that that Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other. <laughs> and being like, Oh, I know you. I know you. And everybody was just so excited to be in the same room together and couldn't imagine that their lives had uh, developed to, to, to that event. And then to top that with, with the stream of many eyes, building the, the actual city streets of Waterdeep in that studio um, with stunt performers, with people, you know, just embodying their D and D characters. Um, I, it, it's one of my, the highlights of my life, honestly, like I was, and I say in the book, like I actually cried tears of, of just joy by, by seeing this all uh, happen in front of me. Um, and it was, yeah, as you said, it was just like this great combination of, of, of everything that I love meta, the meta nature of, of, of gaming and theater, as well as performance and, um, camaraderie. I think it was one really important part of that thing, even though there were hundreds of people working on that event, everybody was excited to be there to support the community and, and lift it up. And that was felt uh, throughout. And so the fact that there wasn't any bad actors or there wasn't any really even negative stories out of that weekend just made me feel extremely like, oh gosh, this, we're doing the right thing. This is, this is, this is exciting. And it felt like the, 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 the cusp onto, you know, D and D growing and, and, and building even more. And so, yeah, that was, that was really great. And I loved being able to highlight, uh, you know, Tanya and the rivals of Waterdeep at, at that event. They had not, many of them had not played D and D together until they were on stage, you know, with <laughs> tens of thousands of people watching them. Uh, and to have that work and, you know, be seamless and and have uh the uh experience that they did to be inspired to continue to you know keep going uh, uh with that storyline and with that you know that that shifting cast like that's that that is also just really gratifying and I, i'm really proud yeah. of that event and then uh descent was was really great as well yeah and look yeah i i was uh i know it became a notorious moment i was sitting next to chris funk from the decemberists at the uh 
at that uh, table when he uh, managed to do massive damage to the entire room at the uh, <laughs> at the epic. Uh, uh, That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so you were game. there witness to. I think Chris Lindsay has said this, and I think I'll I'll just underline it uh, as well. But like that's the most D and D damage that has ever occurred. <laughs> ever but due to one person's decision uh since i think everybody i think took 3d10 damage in the room because of that decision something like that um, so, i think it was even bigger than that yeah i think it, it might have been, been like half half their hit points yeah um, so we're yeah, talking because more was, than a thousand two thousand <laughs> yeah. you know thousands of damage was dealt <laughs> by chris just being like yeah sure i'll do that yeah and it's like he didn't even negotiate. That was kind of, I think, where everyone was like, wait, you just took the first offer? <laughs> the deal with the devil. It's like in the name of the idiom, don't do that. And he's like, no, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this the same event where the power went out because like a balloon got caught in the power lines? <laughs> that is. Yes. In the middle of the oh, live stream. In the uh, middle of the live stream, the power went right out. And that was yeah. a really, I mean, were you in the, you were in the room when that happened, James? Yeah. Yeah. And so. Imagine everyone being excited watching, you know, I think uh, Chris Perkins was, was uh, uh, DMing at the time. Um, yeah. And then blackness and just emergency lights went off and having to deal with the show still wanting to go on. And they that was, I think, one of my favorite moments of that whole weekend, too, because everybody was just in the room. There was no there was no audience other than the people uh, uh, sitting in the seats. And then it just became like a little bit of a, a, a chat session between audience yeah. and the people on stage for like 20 minutes before the power came back on and the stream resumed. It was amazing. <laughs> um, so obviously then, you know, COVID happens, you know, these epic events kind of have to go away. But, but uh, you know, clearly everything shifted into this kind of digital space. You know, what do you think... It, it is about D&D that actually meant that, you know, obviously there was panic stations, I'm sure, for a while there. But then actually, you know, in so many ways, it felt like the game really found sort of a whole new way to think about itself. And the fact that it actually still worked in so many ways, regardless of whether people are in a room together or were doing it online. Yeah. I mean, there's how many Zoom happy hours can you do? Like <laughs> early on, it was just like, Oh, this is not, I can't do this anymore. But you do want to be connected to people. You still need to have that social connection more than ever, plus a wonderful escape. And for, for one thing, so many people uh, took their games online. They were just like, we're not willing to give up this weekly, monthly, whatever. So we're, we're going to be online. For, an, I think, another group of people, they they were looking for activities to do together and to stay connected with people when they got sick of those zoom happy hours in D D or, or maybe other types of gaming i remember like trivia being really popular for a while um but D D, you know gave people a reason to get together every week and have something to do and i think also for other people we just had more time and for a lot of people who are like oh i really wish you know i had i want to get back into D D, or i wish i could learn how to play D D. There was a lot of opportunity now for you to really sink into the player's handbook and create a character. Like we all had time again. And I think a lot of people turned back to hobbies that gave them joy before and there was really no reason not to. So in in a way, it's it was really heartening to see how many people did turn to D D or discovered D D during that time because 
I know what it does for me personally and, and emotionally and to know that it was giving other people that that human connection that was so desperately needed was was really special. Yeah, we used to Skype in a friend remotely in like I think it was back in 2007 when we played a third edition game together that you know he'd moved into into a different town my kids came to know him as Uncle Rom the computer head because we set up like an <laughs> an iMac at one end of the of the table so it was just yeah th- there's Rom on the on the computer at the yeah. end of the table but it's sort of funny how I guess you know that was kind of so awkward at the time whereas you know, I'm sure for plenty of people it was like, mm, it's too hard. But then suddenly we did all sort of stop and think, hang on, what's the alternative? Like, let's uh, let's just get together and, and let's make it work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and everybody had or, you know, had the the push to get into video conferencing at all. Right. Like, yeah. so there was certainly it existed. We were using Skype to 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 record, but we I don't think we even used video when we did that, uh, when we called in people. Um, and because most people didn't know how to use it and most people yeah. didn't, didn't have a webcam and yeah, weren't really kind of savvy enough with it. And so for, for everyone to be able to be, uh, to learn that process and have it be part of their daily routine, it didn't, it wasn't a step too far to be able to be like, all oh, right, I can do this for, for leisure as well. And I think that, I mean, we had some data that before the pandemic, it was like 20% people were playing online, uh, and 80% people were in per- person. And then, you know, 2020 and 2021 that was reversed it was 80 20 the other way um and uh i don't think i mean it's probably normalized a little bit now um but it's still most people prefer uh because you don't have to commute even as a dungeon master you don't yeah. have to have a, a big bag of uh of books and miniatures that you have to to lug with you i know yeah i live uh, quite a distance from yeah from all my old friends from from uni that i used to play with a lot and and it was that trigger for us to go, well, we've, we've got no excuse, really. Like, we're all going to be here on Sunday nights. Like, you know, we're yeah, all in yeah. our houses. Let's get a game going again. Uh, and, yeah, it was pretty great. And, I mean, clearly all these kind of tool sets had also been already emerging. So, you know, I guess, you know, D&D has kind of already been slowly embracing it. I mean, we know, you know, Wizards has recently bought D&D Beyond. Clearly we know that there's a great future for this game as both, you know, the traditional tabletop experience and then being able to play online and and everything from the you know the discords to the social media is kind of it feels like actually you know that again that community and the storytelling ideas are so fundamental but actually it it works beautifully across all these digital formats too right for sure right and dragon talk itself had to go online we i think we're dark for maybe two weeks maybe three weeks on the Mm. third week we might have been like hey let's just put a microphone up and see if we can we can make this work still and you know we've been recording from home ever since like it's been able to uh make that possible and uh i'm 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 really thankful and i think even i mentioned in in the book when we talked to b dave walters he was one of the first interviews that we did uh when we had come back from from that little bit of a hiatus in march 2020 and he was the one where we were a little bit like, oh, maybe we won't do this. I don't know. We'll see. And he was like, no, it, you're doing a service just by being yourselves, by still being normal, by still having these these D and D focused uh, conversations. It allows people to to um, you know have some normalcy in their life and have something to look forward to still. And that was, I mean, I needed to hear that at that moment. And it was really, a really, you know, it was a moment where where again, B Dave just lifted us up in the moment that we needed it. He is a wonderful human. Totally. Just heading into kind of the wrap up, I'm curious, do you still get asked 
but why play D&D when I have video games? Like, or has kind of that era passed in a sense, you know, given everything that's, that's happened over the last 10 years? I don't so much get the because I play video games, but I will hear the but why would I why <laughs> would you play D D or just like what is D D? Why would someone like or I guess a lot of people just assume like I did that um if you're not super into fantasy and video games or whatever, then you're not gonna like D D. And that's so false. So I've I have absolutely had conversations with people explaining all of the amazing benefits that you get from playing a game like Dungeons and Dragons and how much fun it is. And like, no, you actually don't have to know a million rules to get started. You can literally just start and somebody will tell you when to pick up a, a die and what to roll and what to add. And then you're off and running. And that is it. You don't even need to create a character although you will want to after you play your first game. And that's pretty easy to do as well on D&D Beyond. But you can also just, there's pre-generated characters out there. The starter set comes with them. They're available on our website. You don't, you just need your imagination. And that is it. So I have converted a few people to at least giving it a try. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if they continue. I don't, I don't get that question anymore. What I get more is like, how do I get into it? Like, how yes. do I start playing D&D? Uh, it's, cool. it's such a shift from what it was 20 years ago, 30 years. Even when we started in 2015, there was still remnants of, of that uh, resistance that Shelly was talking about. But now that seems to be completely swept away and people are just like, what's, how, you know, how do I get my kid into doing it? How do I, how do I, uh, you know, convince my, my significant other that they want to join and jump in? And it's, it's, yeah. it's more about removing the barriers to entry rather than there being, you know, uh, uh, bu building walls. Look, my journey with the game goes back to 1987. So I was, you know, in, I guess, what's the American, like seventh grade, I guess okay. that was the, you know, and, and so I had the red box kind of series and then had some first edition stuff and then started getting into the second edition was pretty much right around that time. So, um, but, you know, we had a friend at school who got handed that little Dark Dungeons booklet that was kind of notorious from that era. So, like, it's just that, that weird thing. It's, it's, it's thankfully entered a whole different that. world yeah. of <laughs> and, and you know what was the, the I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but there was, I, I spoke to a uh, person who is uh, going to a journalist school uh, or taking a journalism class and they want, they were interviewing me. Sometimes they reach out because they have a assignment and they want to do something fun and they'll, they'll want to talk about D&D. &D. Um, and somehow that email gets to me. So it's, it's amazing to me whenever it does. And I agreed to, <laughs> to do the, uh, to the, do the phone interview. And it was a wonderful conversation, really, really great questions. But there was one question near the end of the conversation that was like, all right, so how can, can you tell me why everywhere I go on campus, people are playing D and D. And I, I was like, Oh, wh what? Like, that's really what's happening right now. That was very different from, from my college experience where it was, you know, tucked into the corner or, you know, uh, uh, only in individual dorm rooms, if that, like, I, you know, I didn't even know sometimes, uh, if that much was occurring. And so I think the, the younger people, people who are, you know, uh, able to get into this game are because of all the connection stuff that we mentioned. And also it's just cool right now. People really enjoy this excuse to get together and play maybe because of all the, of the, um, video games that they have been able to play that has rails that has this very, you know, even in a, in a game like Skyrim that feels open world, there 
is, you know, limits to what you can do. And so there, but, but there's that desire to want to do anything. And I think D and D provides that ultimate imagination uh, exploration that you can do with your friends in a cooperative way, which is also different from a lot of, of video games out there. There's almost, almost always a competitive aspect to, to video game play. And so being able to, to have a common goal with most of your friends around the table while also having snacks and, you know, being able to have libations and, and all that, like, I think that just uh, makes this a, a perfect storm of things uh, for right now. And like I said, the barriers are down because of things like Dragon Talk, because of streaming, because of the success of, uh, you know, audio play podcasts, like people, it's demystified so much that people, you know, feel like that they can, um, you know, just get into it so much easier now. And it's, it's hopefully because of those young people that I did not know on college campuses that we're playing, it's going to have a, you know, continue to have a really healthy, lot more dungeon masters out there to be able to run games for me, which yeah. selfishly I'm excited about. Yes. Fantastic. Finally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, look, I've got a couple of silly, uh, questions as part of wrapping up. Okay. Uh, if each of you could invite anyone to a D and D session, so it's like the dinner party question. If oh, you can invite anybody to a D and D session, alive or dead, who would it be? Ooh, alive or dead. Hmm. Uh, and what class would they play? <laughs> uh, I would. I would like to invite Joan Rivers. I love. I love her. She would actually. She would and be spectacular. She, I think she'd be a bard. I mean, <laughs> what else? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. That's, she would it. use vicious mockery. Every, yes. every turn. Smuckery, all day every long. Turn. All day, every time. Cause psychic damage to everybody <laughs> at the table. <laughs> That's so dress to I, impress. I would probably do uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, I don't know how he, he would be a good player or not. Maybe he would be a cleric <laughs> uh, because of his uh, faith. Um, but I would love to have him be drawing the maps because I think that's and I, I mentioned wow. in the book with with Devin Devin Rue and, and and her skills as a cartographer, um, how magical I think maps are. It's the one thing that is the same for your players. It's the same as for the characters. It's the same for the dungeon master. It's a physical object that transcends each meta layer of playing D and D. And I have always been transported by his maps, and I would love for him to, yeah. Be be a cleric around the table and maybe draw some some amazing uh, overland maps that I would then hoard and cherish and uh, I love sell it. lots of money afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So this is a Tolkien original. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. He just doodled it while we were slaying the dragon. <laughs> All right, I've got some dynamic duos, and I want you to decide who's who. Okay, yeah. so we'll start with an easy one: Daryl and Drunky. <laughs> well, I mean. I, I'm I'm clearly Daryl. I'm yeah. absolutely drunky yeah. on so okay. many levels. Yeah. So many. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy. I'm Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ruh -ruh. <laughs> You're a dog lover. I mean, that does make Ruh. sense that you would. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you do more voices. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Luke and Yoda. Hmm. <sighs> oh, I mean. Because they're both cool, but I mean, I gotta go. I think you you might be Yoda, Greg, because you've taught me so much. I think only in the dungeon mastering, but yes, that that is true. Yeah, I think I think that works as well as you being like, no, I'm the reluctant hero. I won't do it. Okay, uh, I will. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you're a Star Trek fan, so yeah, Spock and Kirk. Ooh, you have to take this one. 
I think, I think I'm a Spock. I think, I think Shelly's a Kirk. I don't. They are the same person to me. I'm sorry. I only think of it because of your, the way you play uh, drunky as being like the impetuous, like chaos uh, maker. Yeah. I feel like yeah. Kirk is more the chaos maker and, and uh, uh, then, yeah. So Spock that, cleans that, up the that, mess. That aspect fits. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Elminster and Mordenkainen. Hmm. Thought I'd better throw in a D and D one, right? What about Tasha? Where can we throw uh, Tasha ooh. in that mix as well? Well, then we're both yeah, going to want to be Tasha. I know. I really do want to be Tasha. <laughs> we just want. Yeah. Can Tasha be our answer to that? Because Tasha and and, <laughs> yes. and Baba Yaga. Every, we want to be. Oh, I would be Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be the mother, and I'll be the uh, the yes the, the following in your footsteps. All right. Yeah, I can see that. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Brilliant. Okay, um, and one last thing. Yeah, how did Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford turn out to be so lovely, or are they is secretly one of them a tyrant behind the scenes? <laughs> they are both so lovely. It's, they are it's, both lovely. That passion that you hear in those segments when we used to do them, as well as in the, you know the videos that they uh, do with Todd Kenrick now, like that is just how they are in the office. They are just uh, absolute. Uh, fans and stewards of this game and that's the way they really think about it it's you know they don't they're, they're they're oddly humble as well so it's 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 really wonderful uh and it's actually one of the few things i miss about being in the office every day is not necessarily you know talking to them because i didn't know talk to them on a daily basis but just hearing their creativity uh around in in the office was just invigorating and so yeah no they're they're wonderful fantastic now Give us a quick, uh, you know, rundown for listeners who are thinking, "Hey, I better, you know, go and check out this book." You know, what what are people going to find? Learn about the game, learn about the meaning of life, all that jazz. You will, you will learn all of those things. Um, the book Perfect. is called "Welcome to Dragon Talk: Inspiring Conversations About Dungeons and Dragons and the People Who Love to Play It." So, even if you haven't listened to Dragon Talk, even if you haven't really even played D anD think you will find this book to be interesting and entertaining in the sense that you're learning about people that you have potentially heard of, that you have potentially seen in movies or, or were making movies that you have enjoyed, um, enjoying their cosplay, enjoying them on streams, enjoying the maps that they create. Um, you will enjoy hearing about why this game is so important to them. And I think enjoy seeing how diverse this community truly is and how all of these people from all different backgrounds can find this, this game to be something that has really impacted their lives. And then learn a little bit about why Greg and I felt so connected as well to those stories. You also get a really interesting um, behind the scenes history of the D&D community that Greg wrote that um, is really great. A little bit about how this podcast was was made, and you'll be reading that and think, "I can't believe they were they did this." <laughs> We've lasted almost four hundred. Yeah, like, how did they actually continue this? Um, and then a little bit about what your next steps could be in your journey if you haven't learned how to play D anD D and now you want to, or how you can introduce other people to D anD D, which is also very important. Fantastic. What a perfect yeah. rundown. Yeah. Um, Greg, Shelley, thank you so much for your time and, and coming on to Byteside. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And just to throw out there that the book, uh, Welcome to Dragon Talk, is coming out on December 5th officially, but you can pre-order it now on uh, the University of Iowa Press website. 
at your local retailer. Uh, we love to support all the local bookshops in the area. So if you do go into them and ask for this book, they can order it for you. And then maybe ask to put a couple other copies on the shelf for other people <laughs> to browse in and come and see it. Because like Shelly was saying, I think it is a good guide for people who may have maybe, you know, just starting playing or maybe want to get into or at least just understand why the answer to that question that that kid asked me for journalism, but like why so many people are playing it right now. I think this uh, book can explain that and, and hopefully make you want to take those next steps to setting up a group or, or, or joining one uh, in your local community, because it is becoming a worldwide uh, uh, game and past phenomenon that so many people are getting into a phenomenon. phenomenon. Yep. I, I have like all my kind of bits oh, and pieces. Nice. Uh, it's awkward kind of... when I'm looking at my own reversed version of my image. <laughs> There's so many it's of them. It's all my bits and pieces there. It's all very fun. I love it. Beautiful. Thank you both again so much. Have a Thank great you. day. I'm like morning, no, afternoon. <laughs> Whatever it is, time zones. Barely. In the future, in the past, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you.